This is a Sell Anywhere podcast where we help you to sell, lead, and recruit from anywhere. Your talent is not limited to your zip code. And if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. What's going on? Sell Anywhere listeners and, of course, viewers on YouTube. If you've just been listening and not viewing on YouTube, you are missing out on some handsome goodness. Check not only me out, but like it just got exponentially better with my next guest. We have magnified handsomeness between myself and someone. I can't tell you his name yet because I just want to tell you I love you because you are someone who has dared to say that your talent is not limited to your zip code and that selling is an act of love and not of war. And I have brought an ally to us and to our beliefs. And if you haven't heard of him, you're about to trip and fall into some really good stuff here today. He is a consultant. He is a sales team optimizer. He is a speaker. He does a lot of things that we're going to get into But the biggest thing that I really love is that he helps you to sell as yourself. It's the only that I know of, Jeff Bajoric. Jeff, welcome, brother. Thanks for having me here. If the title of this episode isn't Magnified Handsomeness, then I don't know what (laughs) you're going to make it. Then we missed it, yeah. And there is another Jeff Bajoric, actually. I found him on LinkedIn. His name is Jeff. He goes by Jeffrey. Has not connected with me. I should probably send another request. It's been a, a few years, but I remember sending a request and saying, hey, if we're sharing a first page of Google results, then we should probably be connected on this platform. And it went unresponded to. And it's like I said, it's been a few years. I should probably reach out again because it's fun. And I mean, and quite frankly, we don't share that page anymore. I dominate probably the first three or four pages before you get to his just because I'm a content creator and he's not. Uh, funny thing how that happens, but yeah, it's good to be here. I'm happy to be known as the one and only, if that's what it takes. <laughs> hey, you offered it to him. And by the way, I think because uh, just if you look at names, I can tell you're the guy that's going to show us like high ticket sales because you pulled the free out of the Jeffrey and oh. we've got to put that in there <laughs> somewhere. We're, this is just a title generator. The first part <laughs> of this podcast is just all title generation. I'm connected into AI. That's all it is, man. I want to I wanna get into some really fun stuff. But before I do, Jeff, before you tell us what you do and how you do it and your beliefs and all those things, I need to know, dude, what do you love? Oh, what do I love? Yeah. I love selling. I love cooking almost as much as I love eating. Uh, my family is the reason I do everything. They're my inspiration. My wife is my hero. I'm learning more from my kids than I think they will ever fully appreciate until the day when they grow up, if they decide to have kids and see the same thing. I can tell you that I saw my daughter in a different light two days ago at her track meet than I ever had. And it almost brought a tear to my eye. I'm glad I was wearing sunglasses at the time. Uh, She's, it's just one of those different perspectives where she's almost 14 and she's got her own frustrations that come along with being 13 and she's at this track meet and I'm having a conversation with her as an athlete to an athlete. And it was just, it was like, whoa, I just had that moment. It was just a, it was a blast. I love to play golf. I'm a sicko, a bona fide sicko for that game. And I don't know, I could keep going, but you don't, this isn't a podcast about what Jeff loves. This is a podcast. Let me wait. I'll wrap it up. There's one more thing because this is my mission. This is what I live for. Tell me. I live for and love that moment where I'm talking to someone or a small group of people and I see that theoretical, hypothetical light bulb go on above someone's head when they realize that they can do something that they didn't think they could do before because they see it from a different perspective. And I change those perspectives. I offer those perspectives to people. It changes their point of view and new things become possible. That is what I live for. That's what I love. And, and that's also the probably the most succinct way I can talk about how I help people. Love it. In the kitchen of the life, 
of sales professionals, you help them to arrange the ingredients in a way to maybe make a new dish, maybe get the best flavor. I, I, I want to know, man, I, sell like you. Mm -hmm. I'm in love with it. I love the, I just love the, just everything about it. Mm -hmm. How did you come, like, what's the birthplace of this? Because obviously we go through some pain, right? Before things like this, like these identities are revealed. Can you bring us there and tell us if in all the way through the discovery, but also what is it, what does it mean to sell like you and why is that important? It dawned on me as a very simple concept a couple of years ago. I was a speaker at the Outbound Conference in 2021, uh, as well as 2022, but this is in 2021, and I was sitting out in front of, or standing out in front of my little kind of table, all of our speakers with tables like you would at a trade show, right? And I had books out and the whole nine, and was talking to a couple of people, and I just said something that I knew I had said several times you know, in the past, but had never quite articulated in a way where I was mindful enough to receive it. But I was just talking about the language that we use. And I looked at a guy and I said, look, you can't do it like me. You can't use the words that I use. I can't use the words that you would use. You just, you got to do it your own way. And I'd said that dozens of times before, but as I broke away from that conversation and went into the back of the exhibit hall, it was just, it's one of those mindful moments and... I said, so you got to do it. You're got sell like you. And I just pulled my phone out and I looked up sell like you.com and it didn't exist. And so I went to GoDaddy and I said, does, can I buy this domain? And they're like, yeah, it's available for 1199 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I ran back to my booth where my laptop was and I pulled I bought the domain right there, right then and there. And so it's been mine ever since then. But I didn't know exactly what to do with it. Now I had posted a couple, I write weekly for my newsletter, for my mailing list, and also on, on LinkedIn. And so there were a couple of posts right after that event that had the hashtag sell like you in them. But it was one of those things where I knew it had to be something more than just use your words, not mine. And so after a while, I didn't dedicate the time to really think about it. And I just put it to the side. I was like, this is valuable. I like it. It means something. People light up when you say it. So there's something there, but I don't know what it is. So I put it on the back burner a little bit. Fast forward to last summer. So we record this in the spring of 23, summer 22. I'm going through what I've referred to as a professional identity crisis. And we talked about this before we started recording where I know I'm good at a lot of things. I know that you put me in front of salespeople with problems and I can solve them as well or better than anybody else out there. And I don't lack belief as it relates to that, but I do struggle often to articulate that in something that is nice and catchy and succinct and is just going to shine on a billboard. And I think in that way, I probably put too much pressure on myself to try to find the perfect thing to say. But I remember taking a course for consultants and working on some marketing and working on just some of the fundamentals and the concepts that you need in order to build a business. And I remember coming back to, in a group discussion, the, the fact that the sale really begins and ends with belief. You believe you can make it the first time and then you believe you can make it again. And everything I do is rooted in helping people believe that they can win, helping people believe that they can succeed seeing that different point of view, reframing the problem in a way that they know they can solve it, whatever, that light bulb moment. But that light bulb moment represents belief. And I thought out loud, I said, but is that too fluffy of a concept? Is that too squishy? Does that work? And really, we can talk about mindset some more. Are we going to talk about belief? Are we going to come on? Come on. And sales is Sales is positioned as this kind of cut and dried, very masculine, very aggressive kind of thing, right? Is something squishy like feelings going to get the job done? And the coach I was working with, he said, Jeff, forget about all that nonsense. Is it true? I said, yeah, it's the absolute truth. He said, then go with it. This, you are now officially seeing yourself get in your own way. Stop it. And so I started to develop it. And so I took it beyond words. I took it to the point where there are multiple times in everybody's career, anytime you're trying to level up, 
There are multiple times where you are going to feel dissatisfied. You're going to feel like there's something better out there for you. You're going to be frustrated and you are going to feel resistance to actually work through that frustration. And where sell like you comes from in terms of that analogy there is there comes a time where you recognize that you have been ignoring your gut instincts and the voice in the back of your head for a long time, for too long. And the key to you getting out of mediocrity and getting into superstardom is when you finally start trusting that voice, listening to it, and doing what only you can do. And it's not going to look like the words I use. Donnie, it's not going to look like the words that you use. It's going to be something completely brand new and formerly inarticulate that you will not be sure that of its success and it's going to help you thrive. And the more you trust that, the more your own authenticity, if you want to call that, comes out. It's more than authenticity. It's different than, in, than authenticity, but that's a close mm. proximity of it. But like the real you comes out. And when you stop trying to filter that, when you stop trying to mold that into someone else's idea of what a seller looks like, you start to experience your best success and you will never sell better than when you sell like you. It's just the key of the key is just trusting it to the point where you allow it to happen. I love it. I love it. All right. So I'm going to ask you, Jeff, was there ever a time in your career where you felt like you were pushed into a mold that wasn't you? Was there ever the pain of, dang it, I've got to, this is the way I can't live here like forever. Bring me to that moment that where you became alive to that. I think it started when I took my first sales job. It was reluctantly. And so then it was the person who hired me said, Jeff, I believe you can do this for a lot of reasons that you haven't even considered. I think you can do it. I want to offer you this job. And I said to myself, okay, I'll do it for a year. And if I hate it, I'll quit. But this seems like it could be fun. Seems like I could learn some things. Seems like there isn't a whole lot of downside. Wasn't putting my family at risk or anything. And I just said, all right, we'll do it. And from that point on, for the next three years while I was in that position, I was finding myself stuck between what I thought a sales guy needed to look like and act and what I felt was the right thing for me to do. But first sales job, I'm trying to do the right thing. And I believe this. I think salespeople want just a few things. They want to do good work for someone. They want to be recognized for doing good work for someone. And they'd like to get paid on the back end of that. And the recognition is different from the pay. And that's an important concept. The thing that a salesperson is most deathly afraid of is letting someone down. So we're caught in this box of, if I just do it like this, I won't let anybody down, even though it really doesn't feel right. And it doesn't feel like the right way to succeed. So I was in that box for three years. Meanwhile, I, and I almost quit after a year, but I w was able to, someone joined the organization who could be a mentor for me. And so that's what kept me on board. So then the second two years of my sales journey, I was both feeling like I was caught in a box and watching someone thrive by being himself. That led to the dissonance of, this just doesn't feel like the right gig for me. I feel like I know and I have potential. I have potential to sell and I know what I'm doing, but it just doesn't feel like I can do it. Got the right call from the right recruiter at the right time. Took a new gig. And I said to myself, all right, now all the stuff that has felt right to me as I've read and sought out audio programs and things like that, all the stuff that I've been stifling, this is the time to bring it out. Because... Either I'm going to do it in the way that feels right, or maybe I just shouldn't do this anymore. The, the internal tension and the cognitive dissonance of that was just too much for me. It's like, I, I, I'm working way too hard to be miserable. doesn't matter how much I can make or whatever. There are a lot of ways to make money. And uh, so the tipping point was when I put that stuff into play, worked about a third of the time in terms of active, engaged hours in a week, and tripled my revenue. So that's a 9x difference. That's the difference between mediocrity and superstardom. Is that 9x that happened like that. 
right? So we're, I went from working like 60, 65 hours a week, trying to run around, trying to do everything right, trying to make the opti optics look good, taking care of patients. I was in the medical field. So there was some patient interaction I had to have with some of the devices and then moving to a different product in the same, a different company, different product in the same market. And all of a sudden, all my focus was on just the stuff that mattered in the way I knew I could make the impact. Mm. And over the course of 15 months, 15 to 18 months, the revenue in my territory in a stale, flat, mature territory, and not a brand new, it wasn't in hyper growth mode, in a stale, mature, flat territory, revenue went up 300%. And my working time went down from 60 to 65 hours to 20 to 25 hours. That's a 9x increase, Donnie. What were, and what were the things you embraced? I'm sorry. The things that move the sales process forward, right? And I believe that there are four steps to every sales process. And they happen to coincide with the sales cycle. You, one, identify who you can help. Two, get their attention. Three, communicate your value. Four, ask for next steps. And so when instead of wondering, am I getting FaceTime in front of my customers? The shift went from, let me make sure I get FaceTime to, let me make sure I have something to talk about. And let me make sure that there's a conversation to be had. And it went to, when there's a conversation, what are we trying to get out of this conversation? What's the goal of it? And then it went to, what's the next step, right? So I think about, and I counsel my clients on this. I said, there are three questions you should ask yourself before every sales call. What am I trying to accomplish here? What do I want to ask for? And how am I going to ask? And if you can't answer any of those questions, or if you can't, if there are any of those questions you can't answer, right? If you can only answer two or whatever, you're not ready. Love it. So be ready to answer those questions. And so once I started answering those questions for myself and then making it about how many meetings I scheduled for myself every week, and that led to how many meetings I had every week. How many people did I introduce myself to for the first time every week? How many media, how many of those meetings led to next steps and buying commitments? Now, all of a sudden, instead of, am I in front of as many people as many times as possible? Do I feel like I'm doing something busy and productive? Or no, do I feel like I'm doing something that makes me look busy? It was really the question. It was, what is going to make me productive? I'm going to focus on that stuff. And I've written about this. We can talk about it another time, but I devised and actually modified a scoreboard system for myself. So it became, I gave myself an objective measure of what productive looked like that was divorced from revenue. And I decided to trust that process instead of just wondering where the revenue was going to come from and trying to manage the, the 30 to 60 day gap between the initial sales activity and when the revenue posted. Yeah. We do want to look at that in a moment. I am really, um, really what I hope to do here in, in, in this part, Jeff, is to maybe help people to unlock certain things that they already have and, and to give them permission. Because I think that the one thing is that most of us are, we trip into sales by accident. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break because I wanted to tell you about something that I designed specifically for you. It's an automation subscription plus coaching with me. If you've been looking to try out AI in sales, this is for you. If you prospect through leads, through text messaging, or through email marketing, this is for you. If you have ever missed a sale because your follow-up wasn't on point, you need to check this out. I've really designed this with you in mind. It's AI plus coaching with me every single week for just $197 a month. I use it. My clients use it. I will show you how to build a system like mine. This is how I book 30 people a week on autopilot to show up to workshops and seminars. And I can show you how to do that and apply the same principles to sales, to recruiting, to any of that. It's a subscription. You get the program and you get coaching. Get out anytime and you even get a two-week trial. Go on over to sellanywhere.ai and let's try it out. And now back to the show. We come to see it as something that we do to someone instead of something we're doing for someone and with someone. Yep. And we end up going through the metrics and the truth of it is that these things like a lot of times are not necessarily set up for someone who has a skill or a passion for what they're doing or even a love for people, but it's 
and I do believe in re reverse engineering and having metrics and all of that stuff. But I think that when we're doing something to be seen as doing something, what we end up doing is a lot of the wrong thing. And so we end up putting out a lot of effort, but not really accomplishing any work, which is the actual, actually making something happen is work. And so the majority of us are doing something, but it's not the thing. And we might be, I would say it's the difference between having an occupation and a profession where you're occupied by the things that you have to do. Boop, boop. Let's see. Check my CRM. Check my Salesforce. I did yep. the things. I'm occupied. See, I'm occupied. And so really, it's those are babysitting measures for pe for the person who's not a professional. A professional is a person who they do the things that they believe. Like their belief and what they say and what they do are all one one thing and I whenever I hear your story and this is an interview of you but just to give you some perspective of well, why it resonated with me it's your show uh, this is this perspective is <laughs> this is why listen if people are tuning in for you Donnie I know you like to try to pull the wool over your own eyes and pretend they're here for me they're here for you I want to hear your perspective so do your listeners <laughs> the uh, I after I don't even know how many years I've been in sales at this point and at this point there was a day where I'd been selling coaching and Jeff, the thing that I had adopted and adapted and carried with me was this image, this very masculine, and again, I'm a guy, so masculine's okay, but, mm -hmm. but just this very, I called myself the sales warrior and I was the guy that would do the things that no one else would do so I could have the things that no one else would have. And boy, I just, I like the only way that I outperformed other people, honestly, was by over-disciplining myself. And the truth of it was, is when we were in a journey where we were, I didn't have an office anymore. And so I was selling from home offices as we would move from one Airbnb to the next. And on three separate days, I had my kids say, dad, are you okay? Because I'm like, I still had this face. I still had that determined face. And and I realized that after the third day of my kids asking me this, I'm like, and me thinking I was okay, I'm like, you know what? I'm two different people. And actually, this guy that I'm being here is not the me that I like to be. And I decided to go from being that to a character that, say a character, but I called myself, began calling myself a joyful farmer. And I stopped being so concerned with closing the right way or the right terminology or name drop, like all of the different things that we're given to do. And I just determined that I was going to show up, have fun, love on people. And in the process, I would find, I'd find who I needed to find. Very similar results to what you mentioned, right? You have that 3X, 5X result that happened. That's actually what enabled me to launch into my own business. But being able to connect with the identity that of who I was that I never felt like was enough, I buried that guy because nobody wants him. We all want this one, the starchy, put the tie on the guy. And so that's uh, from the eyes that I'm looking through are the eyes that have traveled through that. Do you run into people that have, maybe they're on the beginning part of that cycle where they're like, man, sales just feels like I'm wearing another man's suit. It feels like it's something that doesn't fit. It feels like I have to be this way, but I really like to be this way. Talk to that guy. I talk to him every day. I talk to her every day. It's 95 plus percent of salespeople out there because we've been taught that there's a way to do this. We've been taught that salespeople are this thing. And now the invoke thing is to say, no, salespeople aren't this thing. They're this thing over here. Oh, wait, it could be this thing over here. And so the interesting thing about selling and about the way we're taught and influenced to sell is the marketing behind where that comes from. And I'm, this, I'm not taking shots at marketing. I'm not, that's, this is not that a podcast. But the way you get someone to follow you is to tell them what they want to hear. So when you identify that someone is uncomfortable with something, just show them another way. Say, no, we don't have to do it that way anymore. You don't have to pick up the phone and call strangers. You can send them emails instead. <laughs> and it's, 
okay, there's one example of it, but then a whole bunch of people jump on that bandwagon. And the fact of the matter is, there isn't just one way to do it. There aren't just five ways to do it. There aren't just 10 ways to do it. There are more ways to do it right than to do it wrong. But what that requires is that you have a faith and a belief in yourself that you can figure it out. And that's a really tough thing to do when you contrast that against what I mentioned earlier is the last thing a salesperson wants to do is let anybody down, especially their customer, their employer, their family, right? So it's nice and safe. If I just do it like somebody else and have reasonably close results to somebody else, I am going to best case, hit my number, maybe go to club worst case, not get fired still. Right. And so paint ourselves into this corner. We put ourselves into this box. And that the, again, you can, there are so many more ways to do it, but if there were only five ways to do it, let's say everybody did it the same way, we'd get predictable results. Okay, good. Predictability is very good, by the way. And for a company, you want predictable results, which is where this stuff comes from, right? Predictable results are mediocre. It is literally the definition of mediocrity. If we put the Say same it again. inputs, if we put in all the same put inputs all the time and we anticipate the same outputs all the time, that is the definition of mediocrity. Now, mediocre might be better than what you're getting right now. Okay. And even mediocre for a salesperson, it's probably a pretty good living, pretty good living, pretty good lifestyle, right? Like there are a lot of worse things that you can do. The world needs ditch diggers too. That's not for me. I enjoy digging on small ones in my backyard when it's part of a project, right? But I don't want to do that 40 hours a week. Mediocrity might be better than what you're getting, but it's not the best you can do. And I love to work with people who want to do their very best. And so when I talk about the 5% difference between mediocrity and superstardom, that 5% difference is not in the words you use. It's not in the tactics. It's not in the outbound cadences. It's not in the software. It's not in all the things that you do to scale with a personalize at scale, which is just a ridiculous oxymoron to begin with. It is in the trust and belief in yourself that what you bring to the table will make an impact that no one else can make. And that means something to somebody else. And when you recognize that, the entire world opens up in front of you. That is the biggest light bulb moment that you can have. And now all of a sudden you're hair is on fire to go make an impact um on love it there like multiple ways of doing things in in by the way don't you find that most people are they're looking for oh i have one here they're looking for this earlier that you can't really tell it's not focused oh. on. it's a silver bullet right yeah we're looking for the silver bullet we're looking for the way to avoid pain isn't it true that we like there are, I don't know, at least a thousand different ways that work, but the only thing that really works and produces real results is the thing that we can be consistent to. And those things are usually attached to, I don't want to say preferences, but maybe bents. And so I want to get into that. They're attached to safety. They're attached to safety. They're attached to not being isolated. They're attached to... And Look at the problems. Look at what we have to overcome in order to sell like you or in order to do it your way, in order to to do those things. You have to be willing to stand out from the crowd a little bit. You have to be willing yeah. to call attention to yourself. You have to be willing to take a little bit of risk. But what comes along with that is fun. What comes hmm. along with that is a bigger impact. Yeah. What comes along with that is, oh my gosh, maybe people will follow you. Yeah. And it's, look, the wind blows harder at the top of the mountain though that spotlight gets hot after a while not everybody wants that but i think for the people that i work best with and i think the people who tune into shows like this are the ones who really want that not even secretly they absolutely want that but they just need that nudge they need to get through that resistance they need to get through the voice in the back of their head that says are you sure you want to do this who the hell do you think you are? Why is it that you believe that you can succeed? Why is it you believe that you deserve anything better than mediocrity? Why is it? And 
now you want to take it a step further. We can go a ring further out than that, Donnie. We can talk about society and we can talk about a, a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. And we can talk about inequality and we can talk about how the gifts that we've been given and the opportunities we've been placed in are not equivalent. Therefore, fairness or, or unfairness exists and whether or not that's fair to acknowledge that and the survivor's guilt. And there's so many psychological layers to this, but they all add up to this thing. This concept Stephen Pressfield calls resistance. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, wherever that resistance is sourced, wherever it comes from, it exists in all of us anytime we are trying to reach a higher plane. And if you don't recognize the concept, if you're not able to identify it, you just feel like it's wrong to reach that higher plane. But once you recognize it for what it is, once you realize that it's a part of the hero's journey, once you realize that it is part of the struggle for finding significance in our existence, once you're like, oh, wait, not only is this something that is happening that I can recognize, it's supposed to happen and I'm supposed to struggle with it because the struggle makes it meaningful and my ascension to a higher plane in this life or in the afterlife, you want to, we can go wherever you want, Donnie, right? All of those things are tied together. This is supposed to happen. I'm supposed to deal with this. Oh, and I'm supposed to win. It is part of the design for me to tackle this and win. So I can tackle it and win right now, or I can deliberate and just kick the can down the road. But the thing is, you always run up against this ceiling until you break through it. So it's not like it goes anywhere. And then once you break through, there's just another one. And that ties together with the concept I've talked about for years. Like the mountaintop that we've all been taught to climb that looks like success, there's no top, there's no summit, there is no peak. And so the only way you ever really realize how far you've come, how successful you've been is by turning around and looking backward to recognize how many of those ceilings you've broken through. But it's one challenge leads to the next challenge. That's the point. So ah, I'm afraid. Ah, I don't know if it's worth it. Ah, I might like mediocrity. Hey, that's fine. But mediocrity has a price. It's dissension. It's cognitive dissonance. It's disappointment. It's frustration. It's the Sunday scaries. It's an alcohol problem. It's bad relationships with your wife. It's a drug problem. It's lack of physical fitness. It's all of those things. But they all tie together, Donnie. Um, I'm rambling now. I'm going to cede <laughs> the rest of my time to the gentleman. But <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna open up here. You said, let's see, Hero's Journey. So we've got a little map here. <laughs> well, you can't really see it. But let's just say, all right, before we get to the dragon, before we slay our dragon, before we, we climb our mountain, the hero... First off, it's called into action, right? They deny the call because they're like, ah, who am I? All of those reasons. You just went through all of those those barriers, almost like the bully that keeps us in our place. It actually makes us, ha- you have to be worthy of whatever you're being called into. We have to defeat some of this stuff even to step into it. But yeah, that one thing that is almost like a lightning strike through our veins that enables us, empowers us to step into this is that gift. You talk about gifts. And so I want to hear gifts and talents. And how can someone say, you know what, How I'm going to enter in as myself. I'm going to find my gifts and my talents and I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring my ingredients to this thing, right? I'm going to do this as me. Like, give me like, get this guy, get this gal, get us over the chasm, my friend, from what, from get us there, man. How do we find our Excalibur? It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of mindfulness. Maybe meditation. Those two things are different, but it it takes stillness. And particularly in in this country, we're, we're taught that busyness equals productivity and productivity is what we're all here for. And it's tough to slow down. But I can tell you there's a reason that you have your best thoughts in the shower tell you there's a reason you have some of your best thoughts right before you fall asleep there's a reason that that 10 minutes while you're sitting there trying to meditate even though there's still all kinds of stuff running through your head those are some of your best thoughts because you have shut out all the busyness 
and let the stillness produce for you and really just reveal some of your best ideas. And I think a lot of what we're taught societally too is to be humble. And so it's very difficult to articulate what you do sometimes. I've certainly run into this. Look, I know I'm good at a lot of stuff. Me trying to find the right words for it, different story. Me trying to find the right words that don't sound too self-aggrandizing, even tougher, right? I'm, I'm a guy from the Midwest. I grew up in a suburb of Detroit with everything I needed and not nearly as much as I wanted. And I'm trying to do the better thing for my kids and put them in a better position than I was. All that other stuff, all that hardworking American stuff. I'm supposed to stop and just talk about, you know, what I'm really good at. That is counter to a lot of people intuitively. And so that's why it's so difficult. So how do you find it? I tell people to ask. Good. Yeah. Ask your closest friends what makes you different. Ask your closest friends what they like most about you. Ask your best customers, right? One of the most powerful things that you need to know as a seller trying to grow their business is why your best customers buy from you. People don't want to hear compliments, so they don't ask. And then even when they get up the confidence and the courage to ask, they don't ask them for more specifics. And I, I say, look, I ask everybody I work with, this is the first exercise, part of the first exercise with every new client I bring on is why do your best customers buy from you? And I tell you, and I tell them that if I ask a hundred salespeople that question, five would know because they've asked 15 wouldn't guess right because they're intuitive and they listen and 80 would be shocked to learn the answers. But if you haven't asked, you don't know. And it's a brilliant five question framework and I'll just run through it right now. It's why did you buy from me the first time? That's question one. The question two is, can you please be more specific? Because they're going to want to keep it surface level until you get vulnerable enough for them to get vulnerable enough with you to give you the real answers. Okay. The third question is, why do you keep buying from us? And which you're going to get different answers for this question than you will for question one. But before I get to questions four and five, think about what's happening here. You're letting your guard down. You're breaking down barriers between you and your customer. Your relationship is getting better because conversations like this enhance relationships. Secondly, you're getting market research and intelligence for the best language to find more customers like them don't have this conversation with just anybody because you never had a better day in sales than when you fire your worst customer. Don't make more worse customers. You want to replicate your best customers. So you are getting marketing messaging that's going to help you attract the right customers. You're building stronger bonds with your best customers. And you're also learning what you need to do more of and what you can do less of, which is going to free up time for you to go prospect. Okay? Another podcast, another time. Question four. Do you know anybody else who might appreciate this kind of value? Question five. Would you mind introducing us? What just happened? I just had a world-class killer conversation with my customer. The ones I really want to have these conversations with. And then I checked to see if there was somebody... That, might, that they know that might appreciate that. And I invited them to help me, which is what your best customers want to do if only given the opportunity. I just started growing my business. And all I did was have a conversation that I needed to have, really, to make sure I was headed in the right direction with the other work I'm doing 95% of the time. It all works, Donnie. And it's simple. Wow. It's right there in front of you. And I, look... <laughs> That's a one-page PDF on my website. It's not a best-selling book. It's not a, an award-winning keynote. It's not, I've talked about it on my podcast before, but it's a simple thing. And it is the biggest key to unlocking growth in your business if you're just willing to have that conversation. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, so this is a framework Jeff I've followed for years, and there's multiple ways to cut and cook this thing. But... If you do this once to twice a year with your best clients, are you kidding me? And imagine duplicating some of your favorite people 
in your portfolio. This is the, I don't care how many pages to the book. Like there is, there's no extra credit for having extra information, right? This is enough for any of you who are going to put this into action to create transformation, not just information. Like this is a, this is enough for you to create something big time. Let's say you had five customers that you could have this conversation with. So 2023, what's left of 2023, you have those five conversations. Each one of those people introduces you to two more. Let's say you only close one of them. You've just doubled your business. You've doubled your business with your best customers. There's probably- Beautiful people, yeah. Yeah, you, you have, there's probably 60, 70% of your business that comes from people that you could either take or leave or some that you want to actually get rid of. So what does this give you? It gives you the permission to get rid of those people, which improves your quality of life dramatically. But now, bear with me, in 2024, you have 10 people you can ask this question of. Come on. In 2025, you have 20 people you can ask this question of. Dude, this is the thing that kit that kills me about most salespeople, particularly people who sell SaaS, particularly people who sell more transactional deals and things like this. But anybody who is pressing at the end of a month or a quarter to get a deal across the line because they have a number to hit, they forget they have a number to hit next quarter too and next year too and the year after that. And it's like, why would you not set yourself up to make your number every quarter for life? Come on. There is and, this is prospecting too, by the way, because you're going to get introduced to those people. You still have work to do, right? But do you want to pick up the phone and call a hundred people? Or do you want to have five good conversations with five people you like to talk to who could introduce you to five people who could make your life and your business better? Oh, by the way, because you're making their life and their businesses better. This is not rocket science, Donnie. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Here's a funny thing. It's almost... And Jeff, I want to come back to the whole, like being yourself, I say you be you. Yeah. It's almost as if sometimes we get so anesthetized to the power and the beauty or the strength of what this individual brings that when we step into a goal and we look at it, we say, let me find the hardest possible path. Let me, <laughs> let's, here's a thousand people and let me cold call all of them and this is me going to work because I'm like, and then suddenly, and it like, it's again, like we respect what we worked hard for, but you don't tend to act something when you were like pedaling super fast, right? On that lowest gear of your bike, you're not going to 10 X your results. You're going to 10 X your effort. And if that's where you, if you like the pride of the effort of being a hardworking person, fine. But your gifts, by the way, they're not all just internal. I think relationships are a gift. And it is the most overlooked thing that every single person out there, guarantee 99.9% most overlooked gift that you have is your relationships, right? They want to help you. And you, Jeff just gave us a, an amazing structured conversation to have that unlocks their desire to help. They want to help you anyway. And you can't just call them out of the blue and go, hey, who do you know? I'll give you $100 for a referral. You're like, that's stupid. Don't do that. It's che right. cheesy. Do this and see if you don't have, if not double the business, 50% more good business that doesn't give you heartburn. Do it now. It, do it now. 50% more business from customers like your best customers is going to hit your number this year mm -hmm. alone. Have four of those conversations, have two of them work out. You're winning. Oh, you're winning. Don't do it because it doesn't feel hard enough. It doesn't feel hard enough. Right. It's not going to look good on my on the metrics that I have, I've got to show. And a lot of us overlook that. On the metrics that matter. Thank you. Uh, it's again, I go back to the story I told you before. I'm working 60 hours a week. That feels like it's a good thing, right? To be able to say out loud, people are impressed by that, right? Uh huh. It turns out not really so much. And then it's okay, but that just means that I'm doing everything. It sounds like I'm doing everything I can. 
when in my heart I realize I'm not doing really anything that's meaningful. I'm just doing a lot of stuff so I can say that I do a lot of stuff. So there's plausible deniability that I'm doing my job. And doesn't that bring us back to what you were saying earlier, where, where we have this worthiness problem? And the only way that we can feel worthy of whatever trophy we're hoisting up is if we had to work really hard for it. Yep. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Any personality tests or anything like that you like to push people through so that they can have some self-discovery and take a look at those innate gifts and talents, any of that stuff? No. Not I've anymore. taken a lot of them. I don't have anything against them. The only thing I have against personality tests are zealots who believe that the personality tests are the key to life and everlasting happiness. I think knowing yourself is important. There are a lot of ways to get to know yourself. That is one way, or there are several. Each one of those assessments is one way to get to know yourself. I will tell you this. I took a, a Clifton Strengths Finder for the first time in 2008 in a, when I was really dissatisfied with my job. I took it again a couple of months later because the organization I hired into um, relied on that data. They were a Gallup strengths-based organization. And the difference, what was really significant and very spooky to me, was we had people, we had coaches inside the organization who were so well-versed with not just the, I think it's the, what the 39 or 34 strength talent themes. It's a lot. But yeah. that they knew how they all interrelated with one another. I sat on the phone with a woman that I had never met or talked to before for an hour, and she read me like an open book from day one. The science that goes into it and the practices put into it, they're very valuable. And you can look at DISC, and you can look at Myers-Briggs, and you can look at Colby, and you can look at, geez, any of the uh, Enneagrams, stuff like that. They're all very helpful. They're tools. Ultimately, the, the tool you want to use to know yourself is being still present and mindful about how you act in certain situations, know your tendencies, know your strengths, be willing to admit your weaknesses, and be aware of all of that when you're in regular situations. Um, that the, the assessments just point you to that. So if that helps you, if that accelerates your journey, go right ahead. But in order to for you to be like you, Right? Or you do you, like you said, or you be you, like you said, and I say sell like you. Hey, in order to know who you are, or, or in order to do that, you need to know who you are. So I think that's something I really haven't spent a lot of time talking about. And I probably should spend some more time thinking and talking and writing about. You have to know yourself and you have to know that's step one. Yeah. Love it. Man, lots and lots of stuff that I could... I could spend a lot of time digging for treasure. It's all just like the jewels are just dropping out, man, everywhere. You are changing lives right now. Um, but we're at that time because you're going to go out there and you're going to crush your day. You've been giving and generous enough so that you would spend some of that time with us. Jeff, any, anything that's that's just been in your zone of thought, in of any big ideas or thoughts or just pieces that are flying around that you feel would be important for people out there living into becoming sales professionals should consider? I want people to consider that maybe they should fly a little closer to the sun. I want people to consider that resistance is not something to run away from. It's something to lean into. And I want people to consider what all of that stress and difficulty means in terms of significance. They say nothing worth doing is easy, which is some, where some of that dysfunction comes from, right? It can certainly be a lot easier than you're making it. But look, if everything was a victory, there'd be no significance. If everything was a defeat, there would be no point. So appreciating the ups and downs for what they are, the peaks and valleys for what they are, recognizing when you're in a valley, it's not going to last forever and recognizing when you're in a peak that you've done something worth recognizing. And I just want people to appreciate who they are, where they are and why. And if you don't like where you're at, 
take some steps to, to changing that impact. Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. I, th- this, what we've been talking about, Donnie, is where my head is at. And so it, it, the, the, for the sake of I'm trying not to repeat that, but this sell like you concept has been front and center of my brain for the last six months, and it's coming. It's not fully articulated yet. It's, not, it's only half-baked mm-hmm. right now. But I know there's significance. I know there's importance to it. And the more I talk about it with people like you who ask great questions and get the best out of me, the faster and further it moves. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man, I love it. And by the way, half-baked, there's a lot of us out there here listening right now. We're half-baked. I just want to remind you, Jeff, at the same time I'm telling everyone else, Cookie does pretty good. <laughs> didn't have to be totally done for it to be good so you're good and ready as you are way to step into it way to be courageous and thank you for taking us into the journey and making sales an act of love and love and respect of self ready before even we step into the arena of the marketplace thank you so much for that Jeff where can we find you where can we buy your stuff where can we follow you you're listening to this on a podcast player right now, probably, or you're on YouTube. Um, you can go to my podcast. It's Rethink the Way You Sell. So that's a great way that I've got some interviews. Most of what I do is just solo, just me, 10 or 15 minutes. It's a provocative thought or two. And then I want you on your way to go think about it. You can find me at jeffbajoric.com. And if you go to jeffbajoric.com forward slash tools, you will find that one-page PDF for killer conversations with your customers, as well as a couple of other things. I've got a bunch of content. I am not hurting for content. And uh, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a there's way too many ways for people to find me for me to list right here, Donnie. But those three ways are great ways to start. And uh, look, if you want to send me a message on LinkedIn, you want me to shoot me an email, you know, jb at jeffbajoric.com. If you got questions, I've got answers. So there's a lot of ways that you, you can find me. Love it, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. And guys, go out there and make it happen. Put this into action. This is about transformation, not about information. And if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. There's the trip. I do the